We're allowed to say amen on Christmas Eve, too. It's all right. Amen. Amen. I want to start by uh, wishing all of you a uh, very Merry Christmas and also a Happy Easter. There's a lot of you I won't see again till Easter, so <laughs> just kind of covering the bases there, covering the bases. That's actually my traditional joke. If you only hear that joke from me, that's because you only come on Christmas Eve so, or Easter. So uh, it's more fun if you participate. Uh, if you're online, definitely make some comments. It's a lot more fun. So it's a lot more. I want interaction and response even on Christmas Eve. Are we good? Yes, amen? amen? All right. So I just want to start with a question here. How many of you in this room are planners? How many of you would say you're a planner? You're a planner? Okay, a good, a good many of you. So how many of you, if you're planners, how many of you had your Christmas shopping done by August of this year? Huh? Okay, a, a couple, a couple, okay. How many of you have not started shopping yet for Christmas? <laughs> Anybody? You shouldn't even be in church or watching online. You should be right now shopping right now, so. Yeah. But let's pretend, just, just go with me. We're going to have a little fun here, a little imagination, okay? Everybody say Imagination. Imagination. Just imagine that tonight you get on a plane and it's a nonstop flight to Asia. And you hear this announcement halfway through the flight. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're traveling west across the Pacific Ocean. In just a few hours, you have to look down and see land. When that happens, we're going to start looking for a big city with an airport. If we find one before our fuel runs out, we will land. Then we'll figure out where we are and decide where we want to go next. In the meantime, folks, sit back, relax, and enjoy your trip. How many of you think you'd be able to relax and enjoy that trip? Anybody? <laughs> All right, we have one kid here that's 12. He would like that. All right, very good. Does anyone ever get on a plane without knowing where it's going to land? Do you even get in your car and drive without knowing where you're going? We spend a good portion of our lives planning things, don't we? We plan our educations. We plan our weddings. We plan the houses that we're going to build and we're going to live in. We plan our vacations. We plan our cruises. We plan our retirements. We even have a designated retirement planner. We have daily planners. How many of you use a daily planner or your app on your phone? Come on, how many of you use daily? Yeah. We have to-do lists but then something happens to all our plans. It's called life. Amen? Amen? Life is what happens to us while we're busy making plans, said Alan Sanders. In the last 21 months, has something happened that caused a lot of, shall we say, change in your plans? To vax or not to vax? To boost or not to boost. And now we have the Omicron Transformer return of the variant or something. I don't know what it is. COVID has caused a lot of things. It has caused a lot of pain, a lot of misery, a lot of sickness, a lot of death. But among the biggest things it's caused for everyone in this whole world, it has caused a change in everyone's plans. Amen. So show of hands, how many of you right now are facing something in your life that you didn't plan on facing? You didn't have it in your planner. How many of you are facing something? Yeah, almost every hand up. If you're at home, I'm sure you're in the same boat. 
I know, I know one person this week, they came to me and they said, I wasn't planning on job hunting right now. It's a terrible time to try to find a job. Or I know, I know another person who's, who's a church member of ours, that he's over in uh, Doctors Regional, and he wasn't planning on being at Doctors Regional on Christmas Eve. I know some people that are facing medical battles and it's Christmas time, and it's supposed to be the best time of the year. And I know some of you are like, you know what? I didn't plan on being separated or divorced right now. Some of us will have an empty chair at the table this year at Christmas time because we were planning on that person being here, but they're not. Or conversely, there might be a new person at the table. Somebody had a baby. Amen. Oh, come on, get a little more excited than that. <laughs> Life has a way of changing and not asking us, hey, is, is this okay with you if we change this way? And here's what's interesting, and I really want you to hear me when I say this. So if you're awake, say amen. amen. Not everything in your life that happens to you is from God. Not everything. And how do we know this? Because Jesus, when Aver encountered anyone who had disease or sickness or someone was blind or their hand was crippled, Jesus never said to them, hey, that's the way God wants you to be. I'm sorry, I can't heal you. Jesus always healed them because it was God's intention to be healed, to have full life. So not everything that happens to us is from God. Yet sometimes it is true that there are things that are from God. Sometimes God comes on the intercom of our lives and says, this is your captain speaking, and we're no longer heading to where you're planned. We're going to the place where I want you to go. And you, like a passenger in a jet, are sitting there going, I can't do anything about this. I've got a new landing spot. And I didn't plan on going this direction, God, but here I am. How many of you have ever been there? Yeah. And sometimes we get mad. We're like, hey, God, why are you letting this happen? God comes to Abraham, and God says, I'm the captain of your life. And Abraham's an old man. Leave everything. Leave your 401K, your house on Ocean Drive, and go to the place that I will show you. And Abraham's like, where are we going? And they get in the car, and his wife, Sarah, is like, hey, Abraham, where are we going? And he says, God only knows. That was a joke. Okay, come on, friends, come on. They don't get much better. You're not allowed to boo me on Christmas Eve. I'm just going to say that right now. I, I, how do you pack for a trip when God tells you to go on a trip and you don't even know where you're going? Beach clothes, winter clothes, what are we doing here? How many of us have ever woken up, taken a shower, looked in the mirror and said, how did my life get here? How am I at this place in my life? This isn't what I had planned, God. Anyone? Yeah. If you think about the Christmas story, if you look at the Christmas story, it is among many things, but it is about a change in plans, and I want to show that to you. We're going to read the scripture from Matthew 1, 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, change in plans, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her 
What's it say, church? Quietly, with some respect. He loves her. But after he had considered this, change in plans, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because, what's it say, church? He will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill God's plans. Those quotes are mine, right? What the Lord had said to the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is always with us. When Joseph woke up, he, he, he subscribed to the change in plans. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home with his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Can anyone see a few changes in the plans here? Yes? Yes. There's an old saying, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. In seminary, our professors used to say this way, man proposes and God disposes. And that was very true on this very first Christmas. Now, again, everybody say imagination. We're going to do a little imagination tonight. We're going to think about Mary and Joseph. And the reason I'm going to do this is because I want you to remember these are real people. As real as you and me, Mary and Joseph were real people. Real hopes and dreams, just like you have. But let's just imagine, how did Joseph and Mary meet? We don't have it recorded in the Gospels, but they met somehow. And I just want to kind of read between the lines, and this certainly isn't exactly what happened, but if you amuse your imagination, something like this happened. How did they meet? How did Mary and Joseph meet? Let's just pretend... It's Wednesday night, and Mary goes down to the synagogue for the youth group because she loves the Lord, and she wants to go to youth group. She's a teenage girl, and she loves God. Now, at the synagogue, there's a youth leader teaching there, and his name is Joey. Are you with me, church? Come on, look what you're imagining here. Joey is charismatic. He's passionate. He's teaching from the book of Isaiah about the coming of the Messiah. And Mary and her friends are kind of looking, and they're trying to focus on God, but they can't really help to notice that Joey is really, really cute. And when he teaches, his face does this funny little thing, and they think he's so sweet. And she's like, oh, he's so amazing. Well, after he's through teaching, right, they're kind of hanging out in the group, and Joey walks over to her group, and next thing you know, they're talking, and she kind of thinks that she might be interested, but I mean, there's no way because she's a couple of years younger than Joey. Are you with me, church? And he starts asking her questions, and she finds out a little bit about him, and oh my gosh, Joey has a job. Her last guy didn't even have a job. She's excited. Her last boyfriend, he was just, all he did was play video games, Xbox, PlayStation 5. Didn't have a job. But Joey is a carpenter. He's got a job. He's got potential. The evening's over, and she kind of thinks about him, and she wonders if he's interested. Probably not, right? But he is interested. 
In fact, all week long, he's praying, he's thinking about it, and the next week he gets his nerve up, and he puts on a couple extra squirts of cologne, and he wears what only holy men should wear. What kind of cologne is that? Eternity. <laughs> and afterwards, that was, I thought that was pretty funny, actually. So. It's not in the notes, but no, that's what I wear, all right? Anyhow, he asked her out for coffee. And she's like, oh, is this like a friend coffee thing or is this like a something else coffee thing? And they agreed to meet at the Nazareth coffee shop because they're going to keep it local. And they're sitting across from each other and they're hitting it off and they're enjoying everything. And boy, they start going on date after date. And before long, she meets his parents and he meets her parents, and they like each other, and they're spending more time together than one day. Every love song on the radio just starts to make sense. She can tell this is going somewhere. When he buys her a stuffed camel, oh, she knows it's love. She has no idea he's saving up his carpenter money, his furniture money, and eventually he goes down and puts a big ch bunch of change on a piece of rock, and they take a walk one night. And the sun is setting, and they're walking across a bridge. And she's thinking, could this be the night that he asked me? And the next thing you know, he's got his photographer in the distance with, you know, with a long-distance lens, and he's hiding because he's going to catch it for the Instagram post, you know? And he kneels down on one knee and says, will you marry me? And she acts kind of surprised, but she's beside herself with excitement. And she says, yes, yes, of course I will. And they tell the parents. And her mom starts planning the wedding. Her mom makes everybody crazy. Her mom is a control freak. Have you ever met the mother who planned the wedding? I have. Avoid them. Can you see this happening? Are you still with me? Say amen. amen. Right? You've got to use your imagination, right? We don't know exactly what happened, and please don't send me an email and say, this wasn't in the Bible. I know that. I've read it more than you. <laughs> Trust me. But something like this happened. Then what did they do? They're a young couple. They're crazy about each other. They're in love. They did the exact thing that you did when you fell in love. They start planning a life together. Come on, couples in the room, how many of you planned your life together? Started having dreams and hopes. Everybody does this, and we don't know the details of their plan. We do know that they said, hey, we're going to wait until we're married to have intimacy to consummate our marriage. And I'm, I'm reading into this, but maybe they're planning on buying a house one day. And they go to Financial Peace University, right? And they, they take Dave Ramsey course because they don't want to be in debt. And, and Mary, you could stay home with the kids if you want and they decide they're going to have children one day and they want to have a boy first and then a girl and they're going to name the boy Jacob like a good biblical name and then they're going to have Miriam like a good biblical name like Miriam, yeah. And they're making plans. And then one day Mary's off talking, you know, just doing her own thing and all of a sudden this very spectacular and amazing moment happens in Mary's life. An angel appears before her and guess what that means? Changing plans. You've been chosen. You're going to give birth to a son. And she's like, uh, haven't you heard? Joey and I aren't married yet, and we're not. And the angel's like, hey, this is going to be a change in plans. The angel says, no, no, no. You'll conceive and have a child by the Holy Spirit. 
And you only can imagine that this Mary, she loves God and she's in love with Joseph and she's getting married and God has chosen them to be part of history. And she's thinking to herself, I can't wait to tell Joseph what the angel just told me, that I'm pregnant and God has chosen us. So she goes and tells Joseph, I'm pregnant. Now, let's just show of hands, how many of you think, or actually shout it out, just shout it out, is Joseph excited or is Joseph freaked out? What do you think? Freaked out. Come on, guys in the room, tell me, you're dating a girl, you're in love, you're engaged, and she comes to you and says, "Uh, I know we haven't had sex, but I'm pregnant, but it's not from some other guy, it's the Holy Spirit. Every guy in the room be like, right. He's freaking out. He's a regular guy, pregnant by the Holy Ghost. Who is this guy? I'll kill him. Come on. Who is he? That's Joseph. These are real people, and I want you to see that. And we don't know how it came about, but we do know that between verse 18 and verse 19, the polite way to say it is everything hit the fan. Look at this, and again, we're reading between the lines. We don't know exactly how it happened, but you can imagine. Verse 18 of Matthew says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, they had a plan. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So she goes off and tells Joseph, hey, I'm pregnant, and it's the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't know exactly how he responds, but we do know this. He's really hurt, and he's really upset, and he's really devastated because in verse 19, we're told because Joseph was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace because he could have had her stoned to death. That was the other option. But he loves her, so he says, you know what? I'm going to treat her with respect. Even though I disagree, I'm going to divorce her quietly. The other option was expose it and stone her to death. That's what the law said you could do. So what is, what is Joseph? He's crushed. He's devastated. He's humiliated. He's brokenhearted. Read between the lines. Real people. He's already put down a non-refundable deposit at the Garden Chapel Inn. The wedding invitations have already been sent out. Somehow he's got to go tell his mom and dad. He's got to go tell his parents. He's got to tell his friends. How do you do that? Well, she's pregnant, but it's the Holy Spirit. What? He's going to be publicly humiliated, but worse than the public humiliation is that he loved her. He trusted her. He said things to her that he told no one else. He believed God brought them together. He was saving himself for her, and now she's done this. She's cheated, and he's half mad, and he's half torn, and he loves her, but at the same time, he's just mad, and he can't believe this. He says he planned to divorce her quietly, and if you're paying real close attention, you might say, wait a minute. They, They were not married yet, so why the divorce? Well, again, in biblical times, in biblical history, if in biblical culture, if you were engaged, the only way you could break off a formal engagement was actually through an official divorce. And of course, culturally, we know that everybody in our culture just totally accepts everybody that's been through a divorce, right? 
I'm being facetious. It was even much, much worse in biblical times. In biblical times, if you were divorced, it's sort of like, eh, you, you can't really be, you know, a leader anymore because you've failed. And so Joseph's like, I'm trying to serve God, and now I'm going to be divorced. Now I'm going to be kicked out of the synagogue. I'm not going to be part of the group. And think about Mary's perspective. When the angel of the Lord appeared to her, according to Luke 138, this is what the Mary, Mary said to the angel, may it be done to me according to your word. If she were living today, Mary would say something like this, I love God with all my heart, and I'll do whatever he wants me to do. She said yes to that new destination that the captain of her life told her. She's got a new airport to land in, and she doesn't have much planned. How do you pack for this trip? And now her life is totally over. She's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Uh, She's going to be divorced. She's going to be a single mom trying to raise a baby. She can't get a real job to support herself. She can't go to school. She's going to be begging the rest of her life. You can only imagine the rumors, the illegitimate child. And Joseph, he probably hates her. His life is over. And he's probably saying, God, this is not what I planned. I said yes to you, God. Everything you wanted me to do, God, why are you allowing this to happen? This isn't fair, God. It's just not fair. How many of us have ever said that? Sometimes, though, we might want to stop questioning why our path is so hard and start understanding that sometimes God does not give us an average destiny to fill. You think about this. Ephesians 1.4, God says, I knew you before the beginning of time. And so if God knows that about you, God has placed you here for reasons. And it's not an average destiny. You're working with God, the creator of the world. And this is exactly where some of you are right now. You're saying, I was planning on getting ahead financially. I had someone come up to me this week. I was planning on having a great Christmas for my kids, but now my car broke down. Can you help, Pastor? Or you poured your life into your kids, and you're hoping they were everything that they were going to be, but now they're making decisions, and you're looking at them going, what's going on? This isn't what I had planned for you. Or you took a job. And it was going to be a promotion, and it was going to be great. And now inflation's going through the roof, and now the company hired you last, and so you're the first one to go. There's another person that had happened this week. Or you went through a divorce this year. And I heard with every single one of you who thought you'd live happily ever after with him or her, and the happily's not there, and neither is the ever after. And you're thinking, this isn't what I planned. God, where are you? And the list could go on. I didn't plan on having migraines. I didn't plan on battling depression. I didn't plan on fighting cancer. I didn't plan on losing my scholarship. I didn't plan on being widowed. I didn't plan on working this long in my life. I was supposed to be retired. I didn't plan on adopting a child, but here I am. This isn't what I had planned. How many of you ever said, this isn't what I had planned? Because if you have planned out, I mean, let's just, let me just ask it this way. How many of you in this room right now could say, you know what, this is exactly where I thought I'd be at this age and this point, relationally, financially, job-wise, this is where I need to be. 
If you raise your hand, I'll let you come up and finish the sermon because I need to hear from you. So I want to give you tonight one big thought, one big truth to embrace. If you're taking notes, I certainly hope you're putting these notes in your heart. You'll plant this truth in your heart. If you've had a change of plans and you don't understand, embrace this truth. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. Let me say it again because that's pretty good, and I didn't even get a single amen. I didn't even get a, huh, I didn't get nothing, and I'm listening. I want you to believe this. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. In fact, it says this in Proverbs, 4,000 years old, Proverbs 19 and 21, one of the first verses I ever memorized from one of the first books I ever looked at. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but even though we have plans, what happens? It is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but whose plans prevail? It is the Lord's. You don't have to understand the plan that trusts that God has a purpose. Mary and Joseph's plans were wrecked and shattered. Joseph determines, I've got no choice but to divorce her, and he considers that. And then in verse 20, but after Joseph had considered this, considered what? The divorce. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Wait, what kind of dream is that? How many of you want to see that video? You have a dream. During your state of unconsciousness, you make a decision to stay with her? Come on, that's a, that's a dream. But God often speaks through dreams, even today. Verse 21 shows us the purpose. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save people from their what? From their sins. You can almost imagine Joseph saying, wait, 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 wait a minute. You're telling me God's in on this? You're telling me the last thing that I ever wanted is exactly what God wanted to have happen? You mean there's a purpose in the middle of my pain? And you can almost hear God whispering to him, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are higher than yours. My ways are higher than yours. And you may not even feel that I'm working in all things, but I am to bring about good for those who call me and, and love me and call according to my purpose. Now, please, please understand, I need you to be paying attention when I say this. Are you awake? Say amen. amen. Not every change in plans in your life is from God. They're not all from God. But some certainly are. And here's the great thing. God can still work through changes in plans when life, not God, brings them to you. COVID's not from God. COVID is not from God. Cancer is not from God. Let's not make God the author of evil. But God can work through COVID to bring about good. Not every voice that comes in your head on the intercom is from God. You have to learn to discern. But, but sometimes there is a real captain named God, and God will redirect your plans for a different purpose. And you don't have to understand the plan to understand that there's a purpose. Are you still awake? Amen? I want to unpack this because I, I, I want to just show you just a couple of things how this, in my own personal life, how this has worked. Just a couple examples. 
Anyone here ever been involved in planning a wedding? Yeah? Yeah. Have you ever noticed there's so many details that go into planning a wedding? So I had a couple. I do a lot of weddings because it's how I, I help pay for my uh, son's uh, college, uh, Jacob's College at Texas A&M. And now he's told me uh, that, and I'm excited about it. I think it's great that uh, he's going to go to medical school uh, and, and not become an engineer, wants to be a doctor. So, Jacob, we're very excited about this. So if you need a wedding done, I need the money to do it, so I will do the wedding. <laughs> Let me know. Because Jacob has just extended my career. I'm now working till I'm 95. <laughs> I'll be the old grandpa. No one will want to listen to me, but there I'll be. Still got one more medical bill. Anyhow, so I had this couple and her name is Casey, Casey Warren. And she's in such a hurry that she actually sent out her wedding invites to a wrong address. The wedding was going to have a Star Wars theme. I was really excited about it. But this one invitation went astray. Now, here's what you need to know. Her and her fiance were planning on having this wedding. And they've already spent a lot of money, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 on this wedding, Right? And she comes to me, and she's crying in my office because her fiancé lost his job. And now they don't have money, and they need $2,000 more to get married. And, you know, they got to pay the caterer. And she's crying in my office, and she's saying, I can't pay the caterer. I can't pay for the mixed nuts. And, Pastor, I can't pay for you. Wait a minute. I've already done pre-marriage counseling four times with y'all. What are you talking about? Let's just pray about this. Keep the date. I'm not making this up. A week later, the invitation that she sent to the wrong address comes back. And you're not going to believe this. This is only a God thing. And this is in the book. <laughs> the, the person that got the mistaken invite included a $2,000 check in the envelope, returned it back to her, and had this scribbled on it. I wish I knew you. This is going to be a blast. Congratulations. Have a wedding on me. I've been married for 40 years. It gets better with age. What? Who sent you that money, and do they need a church home? <laughs> and I'm getting paid to do a wedding now. It's a God thing. How many of you know what it's like to get a phone call or a text from a wrong number, right? Yeah. We usually ignore it. We use it to the wrong number. But a few years ago, you probably know this story, but it's such a great story. It's such a God story. I got to celebrate it. A wrong number and mistaken imitation went viral. On November 15, 2016, Wanda Dench sent a group text to her family reminding them that, hey, we're going to have Thanksgiving dinner at my house. She didn't realize that one of her grandsons had changed his cell number, and so she accidentally sent it to a text named Jamal Hinton. Hinton was surprised and amused when he got the Thanksgiving invite. He texted her back and said, who is this? And Dench texted back, it's your grandma. Well, Hinton's grandma doesn't text, and Jamal knew that. He's like, my grandma doesn't text. So he said, Grandma, text me your picture. So she did. Hinton then texted her a picture. Dench is white. Hinton is black. She's probably not his grandmother. Now, they laughed about it. 
But then Dench texted him and said, hey, Jamal, you're still welcome to come over for Thanksgiving. And so he did. And for the last like seven years, he's gone to her house. It's, they've now become like family. She is his grandma. A second one he never didn't have. Change in plans, a mistaken invitation turns into a great friendship and family love between two families. So what can we learn about a Christmas change of plans? What does it tell us? Well, Christmas is knowing that despite all the changes in life, God is still on the throne. It is knowing that everything that is above your head is under God's feet. He's still sovereign. He still cares enough to send his son to say, hey, I am with you. And somebody, this is where you get excited and go, amen. amen. This is the good news. I'll, I'll give you a more serious one. And this really happened. And this is powerful. And this is the kind of stuff that has kept me going in ministry. This is the kind of stuff that is like a spiritual paycheck to me. I had an opportunity in my last church to mail out flyers to invite people to church. We mailed out like 3,000 flyers, spent thousands of dollars, and we sent it to certain zip codes, and we were like prepared for hundreds of people to come. <sighs> Crowd goes crazy. There were like three people that showed up. Yeah, we got this flyer in the mail. Is there free coffee here? We had big plans. Scott had other ones. Then a year later, a year later, this woman shows up, and she sits on the front row, and she cries the entire service. I mean, just balls. And she does this for six weeks in a row. She just cries and cries. And my wife, every Sunday, she's like, what are you doing to her? She's crying. What evil eye are you giving her? I said, I'm not doing anything. So she was the scout, right? People send in the scout. Go check out the church, and then the family comes later. So her family showed up later. Turns out she's an attorney. She's very successful. Two years later, on Christmas Eve in the morning, she emails me about her change in plans. She sends me a three-page email, single space. I still have it. I printed it out. I keep it in a box. And she tells me this story that a year before or a year after she received that flyer, she's in her closet, depressed, with a gun in her mouth, about to end her life. And she prays one last prayer of desperation. God, send me a sign that you're real. God, send me some sign that you still love me, that you have a plan for my life, and I'll not kill myself. And right at that moment, her footing in the closet slips, and she realizes that she's standing on a slick flyer that we had sent her a year earlier. And she looks down at the flyer, and the words on the flyer said this, God has many plans for your life. Come and find out. Come on, friends. Tell me that's not God. Her husband had stacked the mail in the closet and the flyer had slipped off. Or excuse me, God made sure the flyer came off. 
and in the middle of the cause of war. Come on, that's a God thing. This is where you say amen. She had plans to do herself irreparable harm, to face her temporary problems with a permanent solution. She also has two beautiful children. Imagine the impact they would have had. But God had other plans. And you know what? She became an amazing member, and she still is a friend of mine. And I share this story with her permission. Again, change in plans. I was going to be a psychologist, friends. I was studying psychology. I was going to charge people 300 bucks an hour to listen to their problems, and now I do it for free. Come on by. Never. Never. And let me say one more time, never did anyone in high school or college when I was part of the SIG EPS and I went to Southwest Texas, which is known for academic proudness, <laughs> no one in my life ever looked at me and said, you know what I think you're going to turn into as a pastor, John? Nobody ever said that. I had no plans of being a minister. Zero. Which is why when I went back to my reunion, and this still happens 30 years later, everybody's like, come on, man, what are you really doing? Come on. You got business cards made up and everything? Are you selling cars? Come on. Let me say it this way. Those most qualified to speak the gospel are those who truly know how unqualified they are to speak the gospel. Never once did Jesus scan the room for the best example of holy living and say, let me send that person out to tell others about him. He always sent out the stumblers and sinners like me, changing plans. And this is good news for all of us. I'm glad that every now and then God interrupts my plans to bring about a different purpose. Even those times when I don't understand it and I don't like it and I'm confused by it and I'm hurting in the middle of it, years later I can look back and say, I'd never choose it again. I'd never want to go through it again, but I can see how God used it and worked through it. You don't have to understand the plan to know that God has a purpose, many purposes for your life. And this would have been so true of Mary and Joseph. Think about this. Mary's pregnant with the Son of God. And if I'm Joseph, I'm thinking, well, Son of God, we've got connections. This is going to be a smooth pregnancy. Heavenly epidural, no pain, totally free. She sneezes, baby pops right out. We've got a baby. No, no, no. She's in labor. And guess where she is? Ladies, she's on the back of a donkey. It's not a Ford Explorer. She's in labor. Joseph is so dead. He's pulling that donkey through the red lights. Hurry up, hurry up. And they get to the town, and Joseph's even deader because he didn't call ahead. He, he didn't get on his app and, and you know, and motels.com and make sure that he had a reservation. No, there's no hotel. So where does she give birth? Ladies, in your dream place, in a cave next to farm animals, that's where she gives birth to the Son of God. I am sure it was a silent night when Mary quit talking to Joseph. I'm sure. You didn't make reservations? So she has no epidural, no soft music, no nurses there, no doctors there, no heartbeat monitor to make sure the baby's okay. And she's got a baby. 
and they're going to live happily ever after, right? I mean, that was the plan. That's what they had. But guess what she finds out? And this is true. King Herod, the most powerful man in the world, wants to kill her son because he's threatened. Because guess what his title was? King of the Jews. He just gave himself that title. And think about it. This is real people. She's a mom. He's a real dad. And they get told, the ruler of the universe wants your son dead. And Herod is going to do it because he ordered a decree. He sent in his soldiers into Bethlehem, and every boy two years and younger is slaughtered because he wants to kill Jesus. So they have to hightail it to Egypt. They've got to run to Egypt. Here they are. They just had a baby. Now you've got to go to Egypt. And they're on the run. They're fugitives. And fast forward 33 years later, Fast forward, Jesus is there and Mary is there because the women were at the cross. The men were scared, but the women were there. And Mary, the one who said, yes, God, may you do it unto your word. I love you. I'll do whatever you want to do. She's standing there looking at her son who's stripped down, naked, hanging on a cross, supported by spikes through wrists and through his heels. His back is cut open from being whipped again and again. And the only way he can breathe is to push up on the spikes that are gouging through his wrist. And you're trying to get a breath because that's how they died. They suffocated on the cross. And on his brow is a crown of thorns. And his face is so bruised and bloody, it doesn't even look like Jesus anymore. And the mother who said yes to God, she looks on and it's not recorded. This is not in the gospel. But you know that when Mary is watching her son die, she's saying, God, this is not fair. This is not what I had planned. And we sing that song, Mary, did you know? And she's saying, God, we did everything right. Make it stop. No mother should have to watch her son die. And what did Jesus do? They're spitting on him, and they're spitting on him, and they're making fun of him. Hail, King of the Jews. You saved others. Save yourself. And Jesus looks up to heaven and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And she looks on, and her son, who's righteous in every way, and with faith and with passion and with pain and agony, he breathes his last and says, it is finished. And he says, into your hands, God, I commit my spirit. It's his last dying words. And this is not recorded in the scripture, but I almost guarantee you this happened. Mary's legs could not handle the weight of grief, and she falls to her knees because she just watched her son die. Real people, real people, put yourself there. This isn't what I had planned. Mary and Joseph had a plan, God had a purpose. Mary and Joseph had a plan, but God had a purpose. And what was the purpose, I heard you ask? Let me tell you what the purpose was. And I hope you hear me. The purpose was you. It was you. Mary and Joseph had a plan. God had a purpose. People say all the time, Jesus is the reason for the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you ask God, what's the reason for the season? In his heart, he'll say, it's you. 
That was the reason for the season. That was the reason Jesus came, for God so loved the world that he gave, because that's what love does. It gives that he gave his one and only son, for God so loved you that he became one of us. You couldn't make up the Christmas story. Man had a plan on how the Messiah would come. Mary and Joseph had a plan, but God had a purpose, and you were that purpose. It's right there in Scripture, yet so many people miss it. It's verse 21. Mary will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. Why? Here's the purpose. You are that purpose because Jesus will save his people from their sins. Because when you look at your heart and your life, you know there are things that are not right with you, and you can't fix them. Because we tried self-help, but there's something a lot better than self-help, God's help. If you're one of those people who've had a change in plans and right now things are difficult, I'm not going to tell you that your pain's not real because I know it's real because I know it hurts. And sometimes you don't understand and you ache. I don't understand. I don't understand why certain things happen. And, and pastors that tell you that they know everything, run from them. They're leaders of a cult. But because of God's sovereignty, because of who he is, you don't have to understand that God has a purpose. And God is still on the throne. And God has sent Jesus for you. And God is for you. And God loves you. And God will still work everything and anything to reach you. The Romans had a plan. Kill Jesus, keep him in the tomb, but God had a purpose. And the plan was on the third day, what? The stone was rolled away. It wasn't there. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead. Can you hear him? He's the captain of the destination. He's the captain of your life, the captain of that airplane ride, the shepherd of your life. And he says, hey, look, Jesus rose from the dead because I have a purpose so that anyone, no matter who you are, no matter where you've done, what you've done, no matter how dark your life is, Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved and forgiven because guess what? It's joy to the whole world. Not just a select few who look like you or vote like you or think like you. It's joy to them too. See, it is happy Easter after all. And the reason I did that is because you cannot forget why was he born? To live and die to give us salvation. So any good Christmas message has got to include it. Many of you had a plan, but you might be recognizing, oh my goodness, I might be part of a bigger purpose here. I'm supposed to be here tonight because God wants me to be here. I'm watching online tonight because God wants me to see this. God wants me a part of this. God planned for you to be here. And you have a choice, just like Mary said. You can say to God, yes, may it be according to your work, God. Yes, I give you my life. Yes, I give you my will. And I just wonder if you'll really pray that, if you really say that. And will you recognize that, yes, God, I'm, I'm recognizing that I'm part of the change in plans. I'm part of a bigger purpose. Because when you get a whole, when you, when you recognize it, that you might save someone's life. And you save a generation. Man, that three-page email, best paycheck I ever got. Because I realized I was part of God's plan and purpose. And it's no different for me than it is for you. 
Let's pray. God of grace, we give thanks on this night, which we remember that though Mary and Joseph had a plan, that plan was soon wrecked and shattered so that your purpose could be made known and that your purpose could come to reality, that you reached down into our world and you were born in a messy stable because you're not afraid of the mess in our lives so that you might save us from our sins, so that you might save us from ourselves. For Lord, I just pray that we'll allow Jesus to be born in our hearts again tonight, that we'll be like Mary and Joseph and say yes, even when we don't understand what that means, even when we don't understand all the plans, we know the God that you can work through everything. You are sovereign. And even through our struggles and through our difficulties and the change in plans that life has given to us, we know, God, you can work and that you're still on the throne and everything that's above our heads and we can't solve and we can't do, it's under your feet. So God, I hope that everyone in this room will know that they were the purpose, that each of us was the purpose. I'm so grateful that real people, Mary and Joseph said yes. May we say yes. And may we allow Christ to be born in us and live in us and grow in us and change us and transform us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are Emmanuel, that you're always with us. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but mostly in the name of Jesus, the one who taught us. As we say now together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be the name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not in temptation but delivers from evil. Then I kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen. You know, when Jesus was 30 years old, he made some outrageous statements. He said things like, I'm the light of the world. And if you allow me, I can, I can be born in you and I can give you light. And you can give the world light. And just like it doesn't diminish one candle when you take a light from it and give it another light, it actually adds to the light in the room. And you can be the light of the world. What an amazing statement. And so we remember on this night what God has done for us in bringing light to this darkness, to our own darkness, and to this dark world. Because God has a purpose. And the purpose is you. So let's stand and sing this song.